when a patient is like, they're looking at you and they're like, I, I, I know, I know, I know I should do this. And I know you, nine session, I know you, I know you said nine and, and I get it. Like, I, I, but I, oh, do you know what? I'm going to leave it. Oh, I, I just don't know. Can I start with one? Like they're just screaming that this has got overwhelming. It got too big. This is the Paul Goff audio experience. Whether you call yourself a PT, a physical therapist, or a physiotherapist, and wherever you are listening to this right now, this is for you. It is me revealing everything I can to help make you a more successful business owner. Thanks for listening. It means the absolute world to me. Hey, podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Paul Goff audio experience. It's Amy here. Paul's head of marketing in the UK office. And if you've got staff who you want to help communicate with patients better on the phone so you get more conversions, this episode is for you. This is part three of the on-location staff training that happened in Pennsylvania at Roscoe Physiotherapy on Paul's Five Cities in Five Days East Coast book signing tour. Listen in as you'll hear Paul answer questions about how to get over the fear of not knowing what to tell a patient over the phone, getting started as a new clinic owner, and how you can make your patients feel more comfortable about making the right decision to hire you. Also, if you want to double your treatment room and front desk conversions, there's still time to join Paul's Sales and Conversions Bootcamp happening this weekend in sunny Orlando on the 7th and 8th of December. Head on over to paulgoff.com forward slash sales to get one of our last remaining tickets. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to hit subscribe for more daily episodes like this. Questions? They're all the same problems. <laughs> I don't really have a, like a specific question to bear with me, but because I like help Marissa answer the phone and then like also see walk-in sometimes, it's like it's regarding that uh, communicating that value to them. Um, and like I know you say like ask questions and like really listen to them, but I think it's like the fear and discomfort of not having like that perfect answer to provide them after I ask all the questions that like rushes me through asking the questions. All right. So, but, Good. and then a lot of it was like going back, like we got off the phone and I mean, sometimes we would leave it on, oh, it's just so crazy here. Like Marissa and I are both doing tech jobs, we're both doing office jobs and that we don't really have time to sit down and talk to people. And I think part of it is kind of like that because sometimes that whole flow isn't down. Um, but then I think the other part of it is just like not being comfortable providing them that answer. And like when they talk to us, that's the first time we get to relay their, ex like create expectations for them and certainty. And it's like what you said, I'm going to answer but what you said with like having that assistance in place where it's not to be all end all, if you don't nail that first conversation really helps a lot because it's like, okay, that didn't go very great, but like I can always follow up. Okay, here's what I'll try and help you to do. First of all, we have a fear of something that we don't even know what the answer is, right? That's pretty fucked up. At the, at the, if, you, if you truly grasp that, right? That's what we're all doing. It's like, it is fucked up. It's like, I'm fearful of this thing that I don't even know what it is because I don't even know what I have to say at the other end. And I'm, I'm like, I'm already scared of this thing. The goal, your goal is to get them into a position. Your goal is to get them into a position where the answer presents itself. So it's obvious that you don't know the answer right now because you don't know what they want, right? And what that means is, if you come from a place, if you're always trying to book somebody just because they've called, right, you will feel on edge and it will, it will come across unethical and it'll come across like unintentional. Even though it's with the best of intentions, it will come across as though you're worried, which you are, about saying the right thing to make sure that they come in. 
I'm going to help you try and see it from another angle, which is when you and I have had a good conversation, I'll know exactly what you want and the answer will present itself. The reason you're fearful and you don't know the answer, it's not possible to know the answer at this point because you don't know what they want. You following? Yeah. Then if I reverse that and said, all right, let's stop worrying about what the answer is. The answer will prevent itself when I ask you or we have a good conversation about what you want. Hey, before we go any further, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for. Tell me what you value. Tell me about what you're expecting from Roscoe Physio. Tell me about what you're expecting from a physio. Tell me where you've been before. And based upon all of that, I'll be able to tell you ultimately, all they want to know is, is this a good fit for me? That's, that's the ultimate answer that I want to know in any business that I call, is this a good fit for me? Does somebody like me come to this place, right? You're all subconsciously, all of us, me included, are making a decision on those types of things. Do people like me come to places like this? Every bar you go in, every restaurant, every clothes store, everybody that you consider, you, whoever you consider yourself to be, what you're first looking for in any decision that you make is, does somebody like me come to a place like this? That's what you've got to ascertain on the phone. That's what they want to know, more than anything. Let's find out if this is the type of place that you want to come to. Let's find out if this is the type of place that's a good fit for you. Slow the questions down, have them talk more than you, which should make your day easier. I said this yesterday, these days are quite hard for me to come and do this, right? So when I speak on stage, it's like pummels me for days because I just talk and talk and talk and talk. I'm like, fuck, this is draining, right? And, and I sit and I reflect on my life and I think, I used to go to work, I used to fucking talk all day. I used to think it was great to talk to people. Now, if you, if you sit with me socially, I, I would barely speak, right? I'd just be like, yep, tell me more. What else? That's good, anything else? Next? Yeah, good, tell me more. In, I, I'm interested in that, what, what else? And I go home at night with so much more energy because I don't have to speak. I just ask questions, right? And I, I, I no wonder people go home and just want to drink a bottle of wine because they're certain, because they've just been speaking all day, buying large shit. Like they just talk and talk and talk. If you're worried about talking, all you need to be worried about is asking a couple of questions that lights the touch paper for them to want to talk to you. There's a concept in selling where really, the more that you get somebody to talk, the more they actually sell themselves into your thing. And the reverse is very much true. When you talk too much, you sell them out of it. Less is more. In all of these conversations, less is more. You say one wrong thing and they're like, oh, boom, they've gone down this tangent with you. So your fear, it's a perpetual state that if you're not careful, you'll get into. But it is, like all fear, it's irrational because you physically can't know the answer at this point. How do you know what I want? Therefore, you can't give me an answer. Me and you don't know each other. But 20 minutes in, if you've took the time to go, hang on, slow this down, let's get to know each other. The best thing I can do for you is help you figure out what you're looking for, whether this is the right type of place, whether we can actually solve your problem, we don't want to take your money. At this point, visualize them going, because what they'll do with you, and this might be where this is going on, you'll get patience. Most of them will ring up and they will be along the lines of, hi, I'm thinking about booking physiotherapy. Uh, can you tell me how much you charge and uh, how this all works? And you're like, oh shit, this, this lady just wants information. She just wants the price and she just wants to know how this works. Okay, how this works is we're out of network and uh, it's gonna cost you this much money and uh, I can get you in tomorrow. How does that sound? And they're like, well, not what I was expecting. 
And then you'll put the phone down and you'll be like, they're always in a rush. The, the, these patients always ring up, they're demanding, they're in a rush. Are they or are you letting them? Most of the people that will call you, and this, I hope this gives you the confidence, most of the people that will call you have had such shitty experiences at most businesses that they have called with regards medicine and by and large anywhere else that they expect you to be just as shitty. It's liberating when you understand what that means. So when I first started teaching all this stuff, that was the complaint I got. Oh, my staff just telling me that patients don't want to take time to talk. I'm like, what? What fucking person on planet Earth doesn't want to talk about themselves? Now add into the mix that they're in pain, who on planet Earth do you know that does not want to talk about themselves and their ailments? This place really is fucking different, if that's what you're telling me. <laughs> right? I've travelled a lot around this world, and I'm yet to find anybody that don't want to speak to them, uh, speak about themselves and their problems. What I do know to be true is they expect you not to be interested. And there's the, there's the magic in the conversation. So what that means is they'll bring with them preconceived behaviours, speed of talking, demands, forceful behaviour, whatever, right? That you feel like you need to react to. And really what's happening is they think that you're going to treat them in the same way that the dental nurse did, the other chiropractic or PT place that they called, which was quite simply, here's the price, Here's the session. Do you know where you're coming? You've got to take that control, if you like, of the phone. You are fully aware of everything that we do and everything that you're going to get from Roscoe Physio. The best thing that I can do is make sure that when you arrive at this practice, you are fully informed. Let's have a conversation about it figuratively. That's kind of where I'm trying to come from. You following? So if you're allowing it, it's your fault. And again, you kind of have to take ownership of it and you have to be prepared for that initial one or two seconds where you go, okay, cool, I get it, I hear it. Uh, I think the best thing I can do for you is this. Let's have a good conversation. Tell me everything that's going wrong. And at that point, the, the reason you're fearful about what you're saying, tactically, strategically, whichever way you want to look at it, comes from the fact that if you're talking all the time, what are you not doing much of? Or thinking right so you're on the back foot essentially right so if I turn this around and, and you rang me up and you said hey I'd like um, I'm interested in an appointment and I'd like to know how much your temptation is to go well that depends and you know blah blah hey absolutely I'll answer that question for you uh, before I do, do you mind just telling me a little bit about what you've done and what, what's going wrong it's actually really important to us here at Roscoe Physio that before we even consider taking your money we make sure that we're actually going to be able to solve your problem Fire away. Right? At that point, picture this, right? If you, if you could watch it, right? And I've, I've watched sales trainers teach people do this. Like, you've gone like this. And you're like, this is the way, this, this is what I want you to do. And then you're like, literally going. <laughs> if you could have a cigar, you'd get one. And if you had somewhere to put your feet up, you're going to do that, right? Yeah. And, and you're listening. But at this point, you don't need to. Like, they're, they're like, they're now talking. So you're at this point getting two, three, four minutes of oxygen going to your brain. You're taking in deep breaths. You're listening intentively to what they're saying. And you're going to come back and you're going to come back with the most complicated question of all of, and what else? And you're going to have another smoke of your cigarette or your cigar, figuratively, while this patient begins to tell you more about their problem. 
and you're going to go, and that's really interesting as well. Anything else I need to know? And there's now 10 or 12 minutes of them unloading everything about their problem onto you. You've done nothing. And they're going, I like this girl. <laughs> and you'll start to get it, right? It's, it's, it happened in my clinic. They're like, I really like Becky. She's very interesting. I'm like, is she? Because I've listened to a few of your interactions. She doesn't say jack shit. <laughs> she doesn't say nothing. I, or you could even go, well, what do you know about Becky? Well, not much. She's just a really nice girl, isn't she? She just listens to me. All right. It's the cocktail party. You've all done it, right? I think I told the story in one of my books. My mum's friend, she'll have parties every Halloween, Patrick's Day, any excuse to have a party, right? So when I was like teenager, I'd go because it was all free drink, drink the drink, go to the nightclub after. And then I realised the biggest mistake I'd ever make going to the cocktail party was a friend. One of her friends would just talk forever, right? And if you got cornered in the kitchen, you were fucked. Like, <laughs> you were absolutely fucked because you could not get out, right? She'd have a drink at this point. I'd had a drink and I'm like, oh shit, right? It's my mum's friends. So I'm like, I can't be ignorant and I can't be like, whatever. Any other situation, but like, you bore me and I'm fucking going, right? But I have to sit and listen to it. She'd call me for an hour, talk and talk and talk and talk. You know, the next day she's like, oh, Paul's a really nice lad. He's very interesting. Like, he's a really sweet boy. Like, all of this, right? And I'm sat there going, you fuck, like, fuck, let me fucking get out of here, right? I'm waking up the next day going, I'm never going to that fucking party again. If she's there, I'm never, ever, 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 she's the most selfish fucking, like, whatever, right? She spoke about herself for an hour. And yet she thinks I'm the most interesting person on the planet. I didn't do nothing. I woke up the next day, I'm like, you fucker, like you waste, you ruined my night. Because I had to listen to you for a fucking hour. Every one of us wants to be the girl in the kitchen. Everybody of us, everybody of us wants the guy in the corner of the kitchen that can't get out, right? That's who you've figuratively got to become. You've got to become interesting by being interested in a patient and your life becomes so much easier they start to tell you what they want they'll start to reveal everything to you you're taking notes well, if I'm hearing you correctly Mr Smith I think what you're saying is you value this this and this and you need to start using those words definitely I think if, if I'm hearing you correctly which tells them you're listening I think you value this this and this from what I've wrote down here oh you're actually writing this shit down yeah you're that interested yeah I am it's all little signals and all little cues that says this place is different. What do we all want more than anything other than certainty? Right now, look around in the world. A voice to be heard. Everybody, wherever you look, wants to be heard. It creates an uprising of it all. That's what people are desperate for. They just want to be heard. Let them be heard. And the more that they start to tell you, the more that your answer will become apparent as to what it actually is. This sounds like you're looking for this. We can do this. This sounds to me like you're a little nervous. I think your answer is this. Free first session. No charge. There's no way I'm taking money off you, Mr. Smith, and here's why. And, and you have to have the courage to let them, let them do that. You have to be the... You start to prescribe what happens next. Based upon everything you just told me, Mr. Smith, I can confidently and ethically tell you you need to do this. You've just told me that you've been in agony for six weeks with this problem. You need, a fast, you need to come in tomorrow and see Anthony or whoever and get this treatment. If I'd have had anything about nervousness or, or I'm not quite sure or I've been looking around or I've suffered with this on and off for two years, I might have said a free first session because it would give you a chance to come in, have a conversation and then make a decision. However, based upon everything you've just told me, I'm 110% certain that this is the right next step for you. And the patient's like, 
oh thank god like first of all you listened and then you prescribed what they don't want and this is the bit for you not to get confused with any of that what they don't want is somebody just to go hey how does this work you need to come in and have a 90 minute session with anthony and this is the way it's going to work and this is like you're forcefully telling me what to do there my teaching from day one has been ask permission let them tell you what they want and you just prescribe at the other end based upon everything you've told me this is what you need and you can't get it wrong even if it's even if after 20 minutes you go i don't think we can help you that's good enough as well because you having the courage of the conviction to do that in one situation means you'll nail the second the third the fourth and the fifth and that's your, that's hopefully your answer it's not about getting everyone right it's about giving the patient what they want and what they well what they need via, via the gateway of what they think they want which is asking them their questions and your job becomes significantly easier when you start asking more questions you feel like you need to talk the parallels to Sometimes I'm in there for like 40 minutes and I've said five words. <laughs> and they're just going and going and going and going. But that's the point you want to be at. That's the point of control. You know? And then you get to dictate after that. Who's the person, when you have a problem in your life, do you go to the person who never shuts up? Or do you go to the person who just sits, asks, and listens? That's it. The person who doesn't need to impress you unconditional love just takes you for who you are you take them for who they are you don't need to sit there and impress them and say anything you've got a, i've got a problem and they're not going to go well i've been up to this and i've been doing and they're the ones that piss you off you're like well actually i have a problem i need you to shut up but you wouldn't go to that person you need to be that you need to be that person and you have to have the, co the, the courage and the confidence to know that that's what they want that you're allowing them to make you feel uncomfortable so it's, it's your fault right you have to kind of accept that that you're allowing that person to, to, to do that, whether that's because it's a youth thing, it won't be, it will at this present be, but what will happen is for many people, or, or said differently, you show me, a, a, for every 25 year old, you show, I'll show you a 55 year old who's got the same problem. And the youthful person is like, oh, I just feel young and I've been inexperienced. And then the 55 year old goes, well, I've done this all my life and this is the only way it's ever been. And I've been doing this phone call thing for 30 years and it's never changed. It's always, been. it's like, yeah, yeah, because you started out. You started out that way. You started with the excuse of, oh, well, I'm young and experienced and when, or inexperienced. And when I get a bit more confidence, I'll answer the phone better. It's like, no, you're letting people make you feel uncomfortable because you're feeling as though you have to, and this is getting deep, be liked and be approved at the other end. And it's as much about that rather than getting the yes. It's like, I want to be liked because if they say no, you take the rejection personally. You took that rejection personally, the one and a half phone calls. Like, it says everything I need, you know? It's like, that's personal. And it's not, it's nothing to do with you. It's his issue, it's his beef. Your job, slow it down, ask them the right questions and the answers will pre present themselves. And most importantly, It'll be more about what you, uh, how you say it, and the sincerity and the empathy and the warmth with which you say it, and the absolute, this is for you, than actually what you say. It's easier than you think. So. Basically, confidence and ego. <laughs> Putting that ego aside to it. It's the opposite. The, the, the two do not go hand in hand. In hand. Right. Ego run, will ruin, ruin your life, and it's ruining most people's lives. It's just that they don't get a grip of it. The internal 
um, fears and doubts that people are living with just on a daily basis is the thing that's ruining their lives. That, that need to be liked and approved and you know, everything I spoke about in the book, it's killing people. And it's changing the way that they act, it's changing the way that they behave, it's changing their judgments. Most people start off like really good and decent people and all of a sudden they're just fucking, well not all of a sudden, just gradually over time. They're starting to act and become somebody for the sake of trying to become somebody and it's like, you already were. You already were that, like that guy or that girl. It's not going to make any difference if a patient says yes or no to you. And spending too much time thinking about what they're, what they're um, thinking of you. A great statement I heard recently about this. Slightly different topic, but relevant, deep as well. But it's, it's quite good if you get it. Um, the reason that so many people feel so lonely, right? Check this out. The reason that people feel so lonely in their life it's because they're spending so much time thinking about what other people, so they're, they're present with other people. They're not present with themselves. And I read it and I was like, oh, it's one of those where it takes your breath away, like, that's good. And I, I, like, I needed to sort of turn the book or wherever I was listening or, or reading. And um, you, you think about it and you think about all the situations. I, I then I started thinking about family members who were just constantly like miserable and lonely. And it's like, every time I sit and speak to them, they're just thinking about, all they do is speak about somebody else. They're just whinge and bitch and whine and moan about somebody else and he's doing that and she's doing this. Their thought process is about other people, which is causing them to be so lonely and so isolated and insecure that they can't face any possible situation then of like it being about them because they've become so out of themselves thinking about other people. And in this situation, it's happening to you. You're feeling, you're feeling so weak and so vulnerable and so lonely almost because you're so thinking about what other people are thinking about you rather than yourself. This is what I can do to control the situation. And, and living there and staying there is, it's huge, it's massive for you to, to, to kind of get. The minute that you start to think about what somebody else is thinking of you, you've given away every ounce of power that you, are, you own. And, that, and that's the gateway to, it ain't gonna be about money, it ain't gonna be about cars and houses and all that shit. It's like, that's the, that's the, the thing that we're all craving. That ironically, when you have that, like all the other shit, <laughs> seems to turn up, it's like, it's just bizarre. That, that people are chasing, uh, more often than not, something that they've already got, and they're actually giving it away. Giving it away by worrying about what everybody else is doing. Rant and rave and Facebook, social media, all the shit you're seeing going on. They're giving it away, the thing that they want, and the thing that they think they're chasing, they've actually already got. It's just twisted, they just don't understand it. To help? Everybody all right? Any questions? You, uh, you are, I'm starting new. I was roommates with Anthony. Yeah. Him starting his practice gave me more courage to try to start my own. Yeah. So I'm in the process of starting my own business. And just, you gave me some ideas of what you talked about earlier, about, but I was just getting people in the door. I mean, we're literally got legal yesterday. Okay. For everything. Uh, I do golf fitness. We do 3D analysis and with baseball and golf and rotational sports plus you know, physical therapy would offer all that. We just get in people in the door. I don't think uh, start. I don't think a lot of people know even exactly what we do. I know that's one thing I have to do better at. It. Getting people to understand what the technology and what the how it works, how it can affect you. But just other ideas, ways to get people 
yeah. in the door. Because it's something new. It's not. It's just like I said. It's new around. It's not around our area where I'm from. It's more of a rural area. Yeah. I I have a few things, and we'll talk we'll talk about it to see if we can get more specific. But I would be very careful of technology being the thing that you're selling uh -huh. to to a certain degree, because ultimately somebody will come along and have that technology, and yeah. you'll, you'll be screwed. It's it's not like the full basis. This is something I guess like a sprinkle. It's something we we like personally just for yeah. practice with ourselves on certain things, and then. What happens is you, it, 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 technology sometimes becomes a substitute for communication, and we uh, will say, well, for example, chiropractors did it in the 70s and 80s with x-ray machines. It's like, oh, we've got the x-ray machine, and then all of a sudden everybody had an x-ray machine in chiropractic, and it was like they were all competing against each other, and it needed to go to, it's the outcome ultimately that you want, and it just is a gateway to, to get there. I would, if you're starting out from scratch, and again, I, I don't know if there's a specific question there, so I'll try and, I'll try and find one. But if you're starting out from scratch, it's important to not feel like you're starting out from scratch, which can often happen with people when they start out. It can be that you feel as though, because you're new, you start to have to make exceptions or you have to wait a few years before you start to speak like this. It's like, oh, well, we can't speak authoritative or we can't speak with preeminence. It's like, let's just get people in the door. And all of a sudden, you're still just trying to get people in the door and, and the business is a complete, you know, is a complete mess. I'd, I'd reframe everything to be that nobody knows that you're brand new and it's kind of like you're almost remembering that they are trying to set out from the very first patient as if it's your thousandth patient. It's like, this is what I do. This is, this is who I help with. You're not having a sign above the door saying, congratulations, you're the first patient. Like they ain't gonna feel that, that cool about coming into that sort of, uh, you know, that sort of business. So the, the, the most important thing to remember is from my experience of working with new businesses, new businesses, if they're not careful, stay new businesses because they never think of themselves as anything but a new business, if that makes sense. Their mindset and their mentality is, well, when I get crowned as like, you know, five years and a thousand patients, then I can do this and then I can start being confident and then I can start telling patients what we want and then I can start telling patients how I want them to behave and, and various things. So I'd be probably cautious of, of that when you first start out that you for the, the faster that you can get to the this is who we're about and this is what we stand for um phase that you know the faster and remember that whatever machinery that you get ultimately it just provides an outcome mm -hmm. all all we ever do is provide an outcome the minute you get lost in my dry needling my ultrasonic machine my shortwave diathermy my treadmill my running analysis Unless you're in San Francisco and like that tech shit appeals to those tech people, like it by and large, that would be the only exception to the rule where like technology would impress somebody. And more than anything, you've got to remember that you provide an outcome and you just use them things to get that outcome and nothing will beat you understanding what that outcome actually is. Which, um, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, kid comes in with a baseball injury or whatever and you know he can't throw he's 13 year old well really what the dad's paying for is the ability to get back in the park with the kid and and spend his saturday and sunday mornings that's the outcome that you're providing which actually goes higher than just the shoulder problem does that make sense so we're not we're not saying hey we've got this machine and we'll you know we'll sort this out for you and we're not even saying hey we'll short we'll sort this super spinatus tendon problem out which like the dad's going what the hell is one of them like my kid's just got a shoulder problem what we'll actually sort out is that bond between father and son and continue it because right now 
dad's lost his Saturday and Sunday morning purpose because he likes to be in the park with his kids, chucking a ball or catch or whatever it is that they're going to play. That's, that's always what you provide. And, and if you can keep your communication around that thing that they really, really want as a new business very, very quickly, you'll find yourself that, that it doesn't feel as though you're a new business because you've elevated your outcomes to a higher level than anybody would ever be able to get anywhere around you. There's no perception on the other end of that from the patient or the person coming in and calling like, oh, Tyler's new or Tyler's been up here for 20 years and I've just driven by and never noticed yeah. there. Like we're a new business, but I mean, I've been a PT since 2011. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm working with been a PT for 25 years. It's not, we're just not new to physical therapy. We're just new to on our own. I guess more or less just that aspect. will still affect, you know what I mean? Like. I think he's saying, like, just be careful not to let that still affect because the world will still change slightly. You know what I mean? There will still be new things. I think sometimes those things may affect you even maybe without realizing that it's happening. Yeah, and even perceptually backing it up on your, you know, 10 years of experience versus, you know, your experience in the business owner because they're two different things. Mm -hmm. Like, your experience as a physical therapist, I mean, the physical therapist I think the big shift as well in in I would try to help you is it's not we've got this thing it's we help these people yeah that, that's, I didn't, yeah, that's, I didn't mean I guess when I said that we have this thing um, you know, or more and more about like you said outcome I think it's just we just that helps with outcome helps with this, yeah. what we're doing too just to give I guess more feedback I guess sort of deal just we're not like selling that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. just have it. I guess you could say it's not. We're still like one you know, ourselves or you know, clinicians. Yeah. What we do, how we stretch it, what we yeah. see with our eye to what's causing the problem. That. If in doubt, if in doubt, and this is a good one for you on the phone, and, and just for any of you in a discovery visit or a first evaluation, if in doubt with anything that you're feeling with a patient, always revert to the who you sell it for. Don't go down the rabbit hole of exercises or complicated treatment plans or trying to impress them with dry needling or you know whatever. If in doubt, the simplest and most effective way to sell anything is always by the who. So you position everything against who it is that's in front of you. As in, much like what I said, we gravitate to places we gravitate to places. If you look at how society has been organized over years, we gravitate to places where other people that we believe are like us are there. And then what we do when we are there is what those other people that we believe to be like us who are there doing while there, right? That's what's going on, right? That's, that's kind of how we all are. We don't know it, but if you're not careful, other people by and large do the thinking for you because it's safe, because it's easy, right? It's a genuine, legit, I think it's called a heuristic, the way your brain works. It looks for shortcuts. And one of the, the, the most impressive shortcuts that it can find is actually to do something else that somebody else that you believe to be like you is already doing. Yeah, following? Your brain's 
your brain's job is really to go to bed at night, conserve as much oxygen as possible and have you still alive. It's not to do any thinking, it's not to make you happy, it's not to do all of the shit that we like to believe that it does. It doesn't do any of that. It has the capability to do it if you program it. But most people obviously don't. And what we will do is follow somebody else because it's safe because it's easy, because it's quick. All of the stereotypes of like people are following the crowd, well, now you know why. It's a heuristic, it's a shortcut. And that happens because the brain has a survival instinct and it's realized that if somebody else who looks like you, who seems like you, who is your kind of, you know, person, then it's a safe bet for you to go there. So when patients have doubts, one of the things that you can go back to when you're selling anything um, or you feel as though you might be in a situation you're going to lose a patient, you sell them on the who else comes here that is like them. Last week we had a lady just like you, 55, had suffered for six months, likes to go to church, can't kneel down. It's classic like my grandmother. One of the biggest issues before she died, it was like she, she was devastated that she couldn't kneel down at church. Like, the, the, if I recollected a story like that to a lady in S65 who says, you know what, I had a patient last week, Rose came in, uh, she goes to the church, uh, and one of the reasons that she came, came in is because she couldn't kneel. Um, she couldn't kneel in church, you know, during service. And that really affected her, that really got in the way of her enjoying the, you know, Sunday morning out with her family and her friends and, you know, her social. Uh, she was worried about what people were thinking about her and various things and that she was slowing down. She came here and, and you know, we've been working on, on her knee, getting her knee moving and you know, ultimately so she can get back to church and, and do the thing. Now I've just made that example up off the, off the top of my head. But if I explain that story to a lady who was 65 or 70 with knee pain, who had the same values, who was really coming to you, not because of knee pain, but because she couldn't walk up and down the aisle at church, she couldn't kneel down, she couldn't go on her own, she had to get a lift or a ride off her son or daughter, boom. Like, I've now told a story to her that says a signal, somebody else like you comes here. For eight out of 10 patients, that'll be enough. Barring an absolute massive gap in the money. Now, if it's $300 out, yeah, that might not swing it. But if it's like $25, $50 a session, more often than not, that type of story can swing it because somebody like me comes to this place. And if somebody like me comes to this place, I don't have to think anymore and I'll pay you not to have to think. And this is another pivotal point if you wanna talk about it. What I'm gonna encourage you all to do is stop thinking that everybody's coming in for the same reason. Some of your patients are coming in for PT exclusively. Some of your patients are coming in as an insurance policy, just in case. Some of your patients are coming in just because they love you. There's absolutely nothing that they need to come in for other than they just want somebody to recognize them, love them, cuddle them, love them, love them again and just give them all of the things that nobody else in their life right now is doing, which I, as much as I know you two, I guarantee is going on in here. That type of thing will be going on. It's been going on in my clinic for years. It just took me a long time to realize let my professional ego drop, that at least 35% of the clients are coming back just because we make a good cup of coffee, we gossip. Vicky's the nicest girl you'll ever meet and Becky's just as good at gossiping and can't wait to, to see whatever shit they've been up to in the last two months. Yes or no? Yeah. It's massive, right? 
So where I'm going with it is, is I'm trying to help you critically understand that there are all of these different things going on as to why people come into your office. That for many, they'll come just because it makes them feel good about themselves and that they can say they value their health. Some will come just because nobody else recognizes them and it's a hit of celebrity-like status when they walk through here and it's like, oh, hey, Rose, come on in. You know, we've been waiting for you. Some will be, I'm worried like crazy that this might be something more than it is and paying you the money is an insurance policy just to know. I don't really want PT, I just want it peace of mind. Some are, I don't want all of that. I don't want any of that. I just want PT. We, we don't know, but what is important is for you as a business to recognize that, that there are different reasons for, for different folks coming. And that is a huge thing that I think is little, um, you know, is little understood. And if you tie it back to the, um, you know, the storytelling around the, if somebody like you comes here, so like selling it by the who, we're perfect for people who, this is perfect for somebody who, um, the discovery visit's perfect for somebody who's in network, a little confused about whether or not they want to go out of network. That's for the who, are you following? This nine session plan is for somebody who wants to get back to church so that they can kneel down. It's for the who. And the more that you are able to position that and understand that they're going to come for different reasons in amongst that, figure out if it's just PT, give them PT. If it's an insurance policy, put all of your attention on the insurance. If it's celebrity stairs, give them, give them celebrity stairs. Don't get in the way of them, of them wanting to, um, you know, to buy any of those things off you, figuratively. It makes it much easier to sell when A, you sell it by the who, and B, you realize what they're actually buying. So there's a great phrase that goes something along the lines of, most businesses are not selling what the customer wants to buy, and most people are not buying what the business is actually selling. And it's the latter way your growth is. So most people are not buying what the, what the business is selling. So you think you're selling PT, and yet many of them are buying all of the things we've just explained there. Which just, it just shifts your, your thinking, it just shifts your way of seeing what you do and why people are gonna buy and why they're not gonna buy. It isn't just as granular as they had money or they didn't have, or they didn't have money. If ever in doubt, sell by the hoop. Somebody just like you came in last week, absolutely drop dead, golf course, straight off it into this clinic. Baseball player, oh, father devastated that the son you know, might miss county trials next week. All right, you mean other dads bring their kids here who play? But yeah, absolutely. Say no more, like I'm in. You sold me by the, think about it. It's like, you pull on your heartstrings. If, if they turned around to me and said, oh yeah, we deal with five-year-olds who love tennis. In fact, I was talking to a father three weeks ago, brought his son, he was devastated. Just as much because his son couldn't play, as much as he lost two hours socializing with the other parents on the tennis court. Now you're talking my language. Now you're selling me by the who. Now, now, you, now you've got me. Now you understand what, I, what I'm, you know, I'm about. And that makes it much more likely that I'll, that I'll buy from you. That makes sense? Can anyone see the new Facebook commercials? Go on, tell me. They're selling, they're, they're advertising their groups. Like, groups for dads and fathers. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Look at this guy. <laughs> what the hell? We have a special guest. Hello. <laughs> Calvin, come on in. Knowing <laughs> the impact Anthony and the group has had on me, I, I wonder, he was so excited about you coming, I had to come meet this guy. Ah. <laughs> I even wore all black like the crew. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Come on in. Come on in. Nice to meet you. Paul, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Andrew, nice to meet you. Yeah, so Facebook kind of, I think, like, they drove people apart in the last elections. Yeah. And there's that whole thing going on with how they, like, use Facebook information to, like, sway the vote, this and that. I've noticed, like, recently they're putting out commercials specifically for their groups, and the tagline is, like, more together. And it just made me think of that. Like, everybody is, is just searching for that community of, of people like them to the extent that Facebook is spending the millions of dollars. They're, they're just looking, they're looking for a place to plug into. Yeah. And it's a place that somebody like me goes. As a side note, I was reading... Um, I subscribe to a lot of business magazines and just marketing stuff and um, as much as there's all the to do with Facebook influence in the election, do you know what actually was more impactful on the last election? Direct mail. Direct mail, which is another lesson for us all in life, right? Mm -hmm. That all that's going on with Facebook is everybody wants an enemy, right? And Facebook's the fucking, like, it's just an obvious big behemoth that everybody can kick at. Direct mail there was more impact and more people who um, donated money through direct mail in the last election than ever before. Um, and I read a study on a guy who like, was behind like $8 billion worth of direct mail that was sent. And it was basically saying like, everyone's gonna bring up Facebook again next week, next year when you know, it all kicks off. Direct mail is still gonna be like the, the um, it was actually encouraging me to register for a load of things just to see what happens it's like donate a dollar to like a church donate a dollar to this and it's just like watch what happens to you like the next week you'll get a, a piece of mail and a piece of mail will just keep going and going and going but um again what what goes on is everybody loves a villain and and um somebody to blame you know in society facebook's getting blamed for pretty much every everything um that's going on the whole data thing and what have you and again most of us are confused about it and yet we've all got opinions on it it's like just it's bizarre, but you, you're 100% right with the the community. Um, people are lost, generally, and it's almost like we've lost our way, we lost our pack, like we want to get back into a, mm -hmm. into a head. Um, my mentor, Dan Kennedy, he, he quite graphically describes it as um, people are literally looking for a place to, to plug their bloody umbilical cord back in, because like, mm -hmm. since the date was cut off with their mother, they've been lost. And he kind of graphically describes it. it's like people are just <laughs> like literally like where you at like where you at mother because since the day like that cord was cut I've, I've just felt lost and I'm desperate to get back to feeling as close to somebody as I did as I did that day you know it's slightly exaggerated and graphic but um, it's a great analogy for where people are and they are looking they are genuinely looking for a place that's well, the commercials like a dad takes his daughter to a baseball game. Then he like puts in the group like, thanks buddy for recommending yeah. Yeah. this idea. And I'm like, you needed a Facebook group to tell you to spend quality time with your daughter, but it's like kind of true. Like it's just where we've gotten to. Like I guess that, that's what happens. I think we've always it's been that way. We've always been, tell us what to do. Nothing really is changing in society. Um, because we don't change. That, this is the ironic thing. We don't change. Like, human beings are never going to change in our lifetime. And fucking, 
there'll be another thousand years before there's an evolution of the human brain. Technology's changing and, and all of the temptations and the evils, they're the same, they're just exaggerated, they're just easy to get hold of, just now at the you know, tip of your hands. It's the barriers of what's acceptable these days are being pushed back and you know whether or not we are needing to be told how to spend time with kids. I reckon if you push, look back in the 40s and 50s, it'll be exactly the same. Like, I, I wager my granddad, I mean, a hero to me, but I bet you he, he struggled. He struggled to know what to do with his kids because he just wouldn't have, it just wasn't like, it just wasn't something that a fellow would do back then, you know, in the 40s and 50s. It just wasn't socially accepted. He was in the pub or he was at work. Like, that was it. And that, that was the way it was back then. So it's like, back to this point, why would a dad know how to spend quality time? If you come from it from that point of view, yeah. why would he? Is it, is it that his dad was spending quality time with him? Probably not. Why? Well, his dad wasn't spending quality and, and so it goes on and on and on. And, and then you start to realise that, geez, like all of this stuff that we're like fighting over today, it's generations old. All of this stuff is changing. We're just all getting caught up in the, the technology and the newness. And like you say, there's never really, you know, for the most part, in any new information, it's the reminder to do the basic mm -hmm. things that we already know to do. Principles. It's just that reminder. Yeah. Correct. And that's what, what you're screaming for there when you're asking me them questions. You just need permission. Yeah. It's permission. Yeah. It's permission to do it, that it's fine and you're safe and you're okay and nothing's going to happen to you and you, know, you can't screw this up. That's like, why that's, I'm with you. Yeah. That's why we're here. Literally, when we went to SSPT Live uh, that first year and we sat on that mastermind, I mean, like, it was the whole, and I, I just think back of the power asked his question. My question was the same exact question. I want to open the business, how do I get patients in the door? Literally exactly the same. And you were like, you don't need that. You just need people that it's okay to do that. Like, I was just always like, I need to save this much money. Then I need to save this much money. Then I need to save this much money. And it was never ending. And I needed to show up there and have somebody that was the authority figure tell me, you're, you're right and it's okay to do that. Yeah. And that changed everything. That was it. That was the that that was what I was looking for. When we I mean even when we, you know, paid all that money to sit in on that, I still didn't know what I was looking to get out of that, but I was able to identify what I needed. If you identify what, what happened there, it was like I know there's a question I need to ask, I just don't know which one it is. Right. So we gravitate. So you if you did, it was you gravitated to me because I was able to ask answer the question that you didn't know how to ask. And that, that's what brought you, it's like, is this guy a wizard? Is he like reading my mind? Is he like, is there some magical thing going on here? That, that's, that's what possibly, if it did, brought you to me because I understood you at a level that you didn't understand. It, it comes back to all the basics yeah. too though. It's, you know, it's what you say, you know, like it's, a, it's, a permission, it's permission based, it's safety. It's, you know, you can look at that case study and dig deeper, a conservative nature, and then it's providing certainty for that. Yeah. You know, it's the authority, for the authority figure giving certainty to say it's okay to do this which provides that feeling of safety and you say, okay, I can take that next step forward and not feeling like that it's going to be a bigger risk. Yeah. I actually told him not to spend any of his money on a fancy premises that he obviously hasn't listened to. And I, <laughs> and I told him to start, a, I, I told him to start a business in a crappy little room in a gym 
And how did I say? I think I remember saying, give your money to your mother or whatever you were planning on investing. Don't let her give it to you. And if you still in two years want to start a business and spend some money on it, then do it. And that was my actual advice. Literally, we started with one room over here, literally the business finance everything. Yeah. took the exact advice. I mean, the guy was like almost incessant, like, you want one room, one room in here. Yeah, just one. Maybe the one across the hall too. And then we got another one, and then we got another one, and then we got another one, then we had a side. There you go. And it just, you know, built off of that versus yeah. like throwing everything in the pot. And that was another big thing that, you know, like I was telling you about from the start. What's the least amount that you need to get the most amount of outcome? And that's where you started out. Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you need? Like, it doesn't have to be perfect to get it running. Mm -hmm. Just what do you need to just get your feet off the ground and just get the ball rolling? You know, because it's, you're always going to find something that you're trying to perfect in that process. You know, what's the least amount? Break it down. People get overwhelmed when it looks too big. And that's what I was doing with you. I was playing devil's advocate. Like what stalls you from doing the, the, the big clinic? It's like, oh shit, this is massive and I'll never be ready. And I've got to have all of these things in place and all of these ducks lined up before I actually go and get these premises. And I played devil's advocate to even get you to consider a shitty little premises rent a little room in a gym and if you can make that work you'll make it then you're like oh well if i can start it in a small little gym or a small little crappy room somewhere why do i need this big thing and then you possibly do find a little compromise somewhere where you come in a nice little you know in a nice little department but here's the lesson to learn always a lesson if you step outside of yourself exactly the same with patience exactly the same this is beautiful segue exactly the same patient comes on forceful irrational, demanding, what's happening is they're overwhelmed. Because the size of the project appears in their mind's eye to be so big, much like it was for him. The project of starting a business, he looked around at other businesses potentially in the room or Greg or whatever, or me with four clinics and Greg with three or whatever, right? I think, oh my God, like that's what a business looks like. I'm never gonna get there and you got overwhelmed or potentially got overwhelmed by the size of the project. When you get overwhelmed, it's because you let something get very big. So in relationships, it'll happen a lot where it's like, oh, they're like talking about marriage. Or it's like, oh, fucking, I'll slow, like, slow this down. Right? I'm getting overwhelmed because this project, this thing is getting too big instead of like, let's just go on a date and then another one. And let's say, ah, let's go away next weekend. I'm like, well, let's, you know, six months we'll do this. Like breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, if you like, that ultimately might lead to the thing. That, that, that like is overwhelming right now for one of the people involved. And it's the same with the patient. They want this thing. So he wanted this business. They want this outcome. But right now it appears to be so big for them because we, again, our fault, have allowed them to let it get big. And why would that happen? Well, how about the best friend at work who just come back from 27 sessions at the chiropractic clinic, right? Who now is thinking, oh shit, this thing's an eternity before I get this thing solved. And the mother who's still going to PT a year after surgery is still fucking getting rehab on her exercises at one of those shitty mill-like clinics around the corner, right? They're bringing all of this stuff to you. And they're not gonna, again, it would be one that's like, hey, my mother's at 20, you know, it'd be lovely if they'd communicate with, I think I've let this get a bit too big. And just before I start to take it out on you, is there any chance we can have a conversation about how we could make this a little smaller and you could make this really easy for me to start physical therapy with Roscoe Physio? Wouldn't that be wonderful? They don't. And that's the, the, remember when I started today, it was, you've got to get inside of them. You've got to figure out what the question, what's the question he was asking that he didn't know how to ask? 
That's what you've got to figure out. It's not that difficult. When, when you step back and you clear your head and you just, all, it all fits into a pattern as to what patients are really, really, really saying when they call you. And if they're forced, it's like, oh, I just don't know. Who's the therapist? How many therapists? Oh, I, I, so, <laughs> he's gone. She's thinking of marriage or something. Yeah. Um, when a patient is like, they're looking at you and they're like, I, I, I know, I know, I know I should do this. And I know you, nine session. I know you, I know you said nine and, and I get it. Like, I, I, but I, oh, do you know what? I'm going to leave it. Oh, I, I just don't know. Can I start with one? Like they're just screaming that this has got overwhelming. It got too big and they're desperate for you to break it down. They're desperate for you to acknowledge the fact that it got big. And even when you see it, don't be frightened to say, is this getting overwhelming for you? Is this getting too big? Are you letting this get bigger? Or said differently, am I allowing you to let this get bigger? Because I know you're looking at 12 sessions right now, and if you are not happy or you just think this is too big, then what we'll do is just break it down into four lots of three. <laughs> the exact same thing. Let's just agree as two adults that after every three sessions, we have a verbal check-in, and if you're happy, we'll move on to the next three. We can still book all 12 out, but I give you my word that after three sessions, we'll have a verbal check-in with each other. If you're not happy, we'll do something about it. I do not want you to allow this to get too big. And again, they'll be like, oh, thank God. Like, oh, you're the best. Oh, thank you. It's so wonderful. You're amazing. Like, oh, you just get me. And like, I didn't even fucking do anything. Like nothing changed. Like nothing in the world changed there at all. The entire thing was just you recognizing what the situation was, which was this got overwhelming or I'll let you get this big. Broke it down, breathable, small chunks. Now for some people, it'll be, oh, I want more than just three, the three sessions. No, no, I need to know that this is like, I want 15 sessions because I think that this is a 15 session <laughs> fucking thing. I don't know, but I know I'll recognize it because your behavior, your eye contact, your breathing, you're looking at me, you're like, oh, I said this to a staff person recently. Um, we were talking, negotiating a pay rise. And he said, I said, oh, okay. So, so I start all my, my pay rise. I said, all right, what do you want? How much do you want? Right, like, oh, shit, all right. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> it's great, it's the best way to like, oh, shit. And I'm like, all right, how much do you want? And I, this was the first one who was gone higher than I thought he was gonna for a long time, right? And I went, oh, how did you come to that? How did you come to that conclusion? And he, and he told me, um, you know, he told me where he'd, he'd come from with all of this type of, um, with, with his thinking, if you like, as to where he'd come from with, with, with what he'd wanted. Now, I'd put myself into a situation with it where I was able to have time to think and kind of work out where this is going. 10 minutes in, I didn't agree to what he wanted, but I agreed to something else that gave him a chance to get there, right? At the end, I went, are you happy? And he went, so I was probably sat there where, where you are and he just was like this. And he went, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. And I just went, no, you're not. You're not even remotely happy. Let's keep talking. Because you're not happy. And he went, how do you know I'm not happy? I went, because you couldn't even fucking look at me. It's obvious you're not fucking happy. You've agreed to it, but you're not happy. What's the point in letting, me leave, letting you walk out? Because you're either walking out and I'm going to get a disgruntled employee for six months, or you're walking out and you're handing your notice in. Either way, it's not fucking good. 
I'd rather know where I stand. Even if it is, you're leaving and you don't like the, 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 the terms. At least I know what the fuck's going on, right? But the point is, that's happening with patience. That, that body language is where I was trying to emphasize. He didn't even look me in the eye, he couldn't look at me. It was cause he, and it wasn't because he was rude, it was because he was digesting it. He was trying to work it out and that, like, it just wasn't. I was like, let's have a chat, let's have another 10 minutes. And we went back over it for another 10, another 15 minutes, some oxygen and he's just, he's like, yeah, I get it now. And then by the end of it, it was like, oh, I, I can actually make a bit more if I do these things. It was like, yeah, you just didn't expect those three things to be put in, that's the difference. He needed another 10 or 15 minutes to digest the three things that he hadn't expected performance related and a few other things that he had to do he was expecting the money just given and I went I'll meet you halfway but it's based upon this this and this you should be able to achieve these things and he hadn't factored them in he needed another 10 or 15 minutes to comprehend that and it ended pretty sweet same with patience back to the point that your cues sensory acuity it's called is if you are focusing on them they will give you clues it's so easy, predictable to, to pick up. Eye contact, eyes are looking away, eyes look down, stalling, uncomfortable silences, which is a difference between a confident silence. All of these things you've got to pick on and just go back in and speak about them to, to, to patients so that it doesn't get too big, it doesn't feel too small. Too small would be underwhelming, too big is overwhelming. You've got to figure out, and that's the, that's the genius, you've got to figure out which one it is for them. Thank you for listening to the Paul Goff Audio Experience. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out how to convert more cash pay patients at much higher prices, come and join Paul at his two-day annual sales conversions bootcamp happening this December 7-8 to 8, in the magical Orlando. You'll learn how to double your treatment room and front desk conversions in just 48 hours. Head on over to paulgoff.com forward slash sales to secure your seat now.